Well, good morning. If you would like to take your Bibles out and open them up to the book of Proverbs, we're spending majority of our time this morning in the book of Proverbs, studying from it and what um, the, the message of truth that it has to bring to us. While you're doing so, I'd like to say thank you for those of you who've chosen to be here with us this morning, who are visiting with us. It is always encouraging to see you, uh, to have you with us, to worship our God and to praise Him as we have just sang together. Uh, we do hope that you will come back and spend more time with us as we study from God's Word and strive to to follow His commands here in Nicholasville, Kentucky. Um, one of the goals of the book of Proverbs is to impart wisdom, to, to help us to understand what it means to be wise. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 tells us from the very beginning of the book, it is to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. And verse 3 goes on to say to receive the instruction of wisdom. One way in which we learn to, uh, to be something is to consider what its opposite is. I imagine uh, maybe some of you as, as children, maybe some of you still today, dreamed of becoming a firefighter. That was something that I thought would be interesting growing up. And if we're going to understand what it means to be a firefighter, well, one of the things that we might do is find out what firefighters don't do. If we're going to learn about being a firefighter, we might want to learn a little bit about arsonists and don't want to be a person going around setting fires and burning buildings down. And, and that's certain something that's obviously the opposite of what a firefighter is. But what about wisdom? If we want to learn what it is to be wise, well, Proverbs has much to say then about what it is to be foolish. If we want to understand wisdom, we need to understand folly. And to be wise, we must not be a fool. The study of the wisdom of Proverbs, as we do so, we learn many things about the fool. And one of the first things we, we need to understand then is, what is it talking about? Whenever the Bible, whenever Proverbs, whenever the word fool is used, what is it, is it really discussing? And so to define the word fool, we look back to the word that is used. In Hebrew, the word is avil. Really isn't far from our word evil today, is it? Avil, it appears primarily in wisdom literature such as Proverbs and Psalms. And it's an adjective meaning foolish in the sense of one who hates wisdom. When we speak of the fool, it's one who despises wisdom and morality. He walks in folly. Um... It would further describe in the scripture with respect to those morals, much more than intellect. We're not talking about one who is, is incapable of doing what is right, one who is incapable of doing things that are wise. But we're talking about one who uh, misuses their mental abilities. In scripture, the fool is one who casts off the fear of God. And thinks and acts as if he could safely disregard the eternal principles of God's, refer, uh, God's righteousness. So we see then, when the Bible talks about a fool, when, when Proverbs is discussing a fool, we're talking about one who despises wisdom and morality and one who does not regard God or his wisdom. That helps us maybe understand a little bit more what the Bible is, what we're about to read when we read about foolishness and how it is described in the book of Proverbs. Now I want to look at just a few ways this morning that the book of Proverbs describes the foolish man or the fool. 
And one of the first descriptions that it gives to him in chapter 12, we see it as one who trusts in himself. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15 says, The way of a, right, of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. This is not only describing him as a fool, but it is also describing why he will stay a fool. Why he's not going to come out of foolishness. It's because he doesn't seek advice. Because he is right in his own eyes. Therefore, he continues in a foolish path. And when confronted, he opposes anyone who doesn't have his same understanding. In fact, Proverbs 28 would go on to say that not only does he, he, is he right in his own eyes, but that he trusts in his own heart. Proverbs 28, 26 Reads, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. So similarly, the fool trusts in his own opinion of himself. He says, it is my wisdom. It is my strength, my successfulness, my merit, even my righteousness. So not only is he trusting in what Jeremiah would later describe in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, he's trusting in that which is deceitful above all else. But he is trusting and that will deceive him over and over again. He's trusting in his heart. What a corrupt world we, we now live in due to those three little words. Follow your heart. I, 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 we hear that so often today. And, and for all of us, especially our, our little children that are here with us today, when you hear someone say those words, do what you think is right. Follow your heart. We need to also understand that that person probably is well-meaning, but we need to run far away from that sort of instruction. Following our own heart is what led the children of Israel to follow themselves around in the wilderness for another 38 years. What killed off a whole generation of the children of Israel. Following their own heart is what led the world into destruction in Noah's day. We need to not follow our own heart. Instead, we need to look back to Proverbs 3. When we look at what we are going to trust in and what we are going to follow, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In verse 6, In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Let us not be described as the fool who trusts in, his, in himself, in his feelings, in his emotions, in his opinions. But let's trust in God. Another way that the, the fool is described is one who is deaf to instruction. He will turn his ear away from counsel. Whenever advice is given to him, he won't listen to it. And Proverbs has much to say about this description of the fool. Several verses that we'll just look to real quickly. Over, back over in Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs 1 and verse 7. <clears throat> it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but the fool despises wisdom. <clears throat> the fool despises wisdom, wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 15, verse 5 says, A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. So even the, 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 the wisdom and instruction is something that he doesn't care for. Even if it's coming from a figure like his own father, he will not listen to it. He will, he will despise it and hate it. Proverbs 10, verse 21, tells him that the extent in which he will ignore this instruction says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for the lack of wisdom. 
all the way up into his own death. We read about that just this morning, didn't we? In Deuteronomy. The child who was stubborn, who was rebellious, who would not listen, even up into his own death, being stoned by the, by, by the people of Israel, he would not receive the instruction of his father. Proverbs 18, verse 2. says, A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. He doesn't care what other people know. He doesn't care about instruction. Because he only cares about what he already knows, what he believes, what he thinks, because he trusts in himself. Proverbs 18, verse 13 goes on to say, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. That means that the fool, he knows the answer before the problem has even been presented. Before we even have the question, he says, I already know the answer. I don't need your instruction. I am that far ahead of you. I don't need to know the problem. I have all the answers. And that's probably why Proverbs 14, verse 33 says, everyone's going to know a fool for who they are. Proverbs 14, verse 33, wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding, but what is in the heart of a fool is made known. Not only does the fool believe he has all the answers, but in his actions, he makes it known to others that he is a fool. And his foolishness is apparent to all. This passage was, was very interesting to me in verse 33, that, <clears throat> that what is in his heart is made known. And we'll see this in, in a little bit more, that, that the fool, he doesn't have any restraint. That is just going to exude out of him. Proverbs 12, verse 23 says, A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of a fool proclaims Foolishness, And then in chapter 13, verse 16, every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. And sadly, it is for these reasons. For the reason that a fool is deaf to instruction. Probably one of the hardest things to see is that a fool makes it, being a fool makes it a waste of energy to try and save that person. Proverbs 23, verse 9 says, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Why? Because they already have the answers. They don't need your instruction. They don't need wisdom because they are wise in their own eyes. That goes on to prove this point then. A fool is one who cannot be disciplined. Fools are destined to be punished. Proverbs 19 tells us that. <clears throat> That is the end result of foolishness, of being a fool, is punishment. Proverbs 19.29, judgment, uh, judgments are prepared for scoffers and beatings for the back of fools. And then over in chapter 26 and verse 3, it goes on to say that a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. And even though punishment is what are, they are destined for, whether, even though that is the end result of foolishness, Proverbs 17 tells us it is very unlikely that they will be corrected. It says in verse 10, Rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. For the wise man, just a word. Rebuke. Just a word alone might lead him to repentance, might lead him to change, entering, the, entering not only into his head, but entering into his heart and causing godly sorrow, turning him away from destruction. But for the fool, even if he were beaten, 
He will not turn from his path. He will not turn from his errors because it is right in his eyes. You ever met someone that, though they suffered uh, incredible consequences for their decisions, maybe suffering those things over and over and over again, they just continued. They continued to walk in their ways. I, I had a, a friend, a co-worker, who, who liked to drink. And really, that's probably an understatement for his condition. And over and over again, he would come into work with a new bruise, a new, a new injury, a new story. Something was lost, something uh, of value, or, or, or he slipped and fell, or he had a black eye, or he got into a fight. Constantly something happened, all because of the decisions. He suffered punishment over and over again, up until the point where he nearly lost his life. He lost his license in a drunk driving accident, and he nearly lost his job. He was just barely able to, to, to stay employed. But did he learn his lesson? Sadly, no. No, to this day, he, he still engages in this foolishness. He engages in this, this rampant consumption of, of, of alcohol. And, and we see in our own lives examples of people who embody what Proverbs is talking about here. People who will not be, be disciplined, who will not be turned away even though they suffer. People who will not listen to instruction. And people who look at their lives and say, this is right because I feel it's right. This is the right thing to do. But we also have biblical examples of that as well. I want you to consider two men from the Bible right now. One of them is King David. Who with just a few words, David, thou art the man. Just a few words entered into his heart. He was pricked. He was cut. And that heart was softened. Godly sorrow entered him. He repented of his sins and was known as a man after God's own heart. David was wise. We think so much about the wisdom of Solomon, but the wisdom of David in just that he, just those few words could turn him from his sin are highlighted in the foolishness of the king of Egypt, of Pharaoh, who endured plague after plague after plague, the beating of God, and yet still refused to repent of his decision. I will keep these children of Israel as my slaves. After God had commanded him over and over again, let my people go. He continued on. His heart was hardened. He would not let go of God's people up into the destruction of the firstborn. And even after that, he sent his armies to their death in the Red Sea because he was a fool. Because he would not be disciplined. He would not receive instruction. He was right in his own eyes. And Proverbs 12 tells us that this is the height of folly. Proverbs 12 verse 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Now, for you mothers who are cringing like Holly is, uh, for the word stupid, I understand that. And, and, and I know how you feel because we teach our children diligently. We teach our children, you don't say and you don't call people stupid. But that's exactly how God describes the fool. And again, we're not talking about those who are mentally unable to do things that are right. We're not, he's not saying you are ignorant. He's saying you are stupid. You are a fool. 
Because you hate correction. Because you roll your eyes, you get mad, you get violent, you make excuses, you pass the blame. When you do this, you are stupid. Now, having said that, for the children, I will point out, at least for my children, you won't be old enough or wise enough to call someone or to consider someone stupid until you are long out of my house. So I encourage you not to, to, to receive this instruction. Don't be uh, foolish here. But God's word tells us that if we refuse to be disciplined, if we refuse his instruction, if we refuse to, to look on him in trust, then we are behaving with stupidity. And it's highlighted here then that this is why trying to correct fools is foolishness in itself. Proverbs 16, verse 22. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it. But the correction of fools is folly. Fools are destined for punishment. They are unlikely to learn from correction. In fact, they hate correction. Certainly the wise must strive We must strive to to correct the fool. And we must live with them with long-suffering and with forbearance. But we must also understand that when they reject us, if if you are, are, are striving to help someone who is behaving so foolishly and they reject you, understand, as, as Samuel needed to understand, that, that they are not rejecting you. They are rejecting God because they are foolish. A fool is also one who is described as being impulsive. Over in Proverbs chapter 29, <clears throat> Proverbs 29 and verse 11 says, A fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. A fool has no restraint. Now, whether that be, as we often like to think sometimes, a chip on his shoulder, A fool is one that is just always ready to blow his top. He's ready to let you have it. Or maybe it's carrying his heart on his sleeve. When he reveals his thoughts, he releases them all. The good with the bad. The corn with the chaff. He doesn't know when to speak and he doesn't know when to hold back. And maybe that is why Proverbs 12 tells us that his wrath will soon be known. Proverbs 12, verse 16, a fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. And you know what? Unfortunately, today, this seems like a trait that many in the world are looking for. Many in the world view this trait as something to be strived for by misguidingly calling it respect. People do not cross me because they know that I will let them have it. They know that I will say what I am thinking. They know that I don't hold anything back. People get this idea that because someone walks on eggshells around you, that somehow this equals to a level of respect for you. I respect that that person over there is is one not to be be crossed. So I'm I'm going to, to steer clear of trying to upset them in any sort of way. But how much more respectful is it 
especially viewing from the light of Proverbs and what it says about that attitude. How much more respectful would it be for someone who feels as if they can come to me and they can instruct me and they can discipline me? Because that shows from their standpoint that they view me as someone who is willing to accept that. Someone who hasn't looked within himself and said, I just trust in me and me alone. Someone who is wise. How much more respect does it show for someone who can come and counsel or warn or even come and ask for advice? Because you know they aren't going to explode. And because you know that even though that you come and ask for advice, they're not going to give you the whole hog when all you require is a little bit of bacon. They're going to hold back. It is this impulsiveness that makes folly worse. Not liking discipline might be the height of folly, but the impulsiveness of the fool pushes folly beyond the brink. Proverbs 14 verse 29 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. He raises it up. He declares it for the world to see. And that leads us to the, th- the last way that we will describe a fool t- this morning, even though Proverbs has so much more to say. But for the means of our, of our study this morning, a fool is one who commits evil. Proverbs 10 verse 23 highlights a very sad fact. Proverbs 10.23 tells us that to a fool, folly is a sport. It says to the evil, or to do evil is like a sport to the fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. The word here in Hebrew is sahoki, and it literally means to laugh. And it's the word in which the name Isaac comes from. You remember when God told Abraham, and Abraham heard that Sarah was going to have a wife, he laughed. That was a foolish thing to do, to laugh, to, to, to mock at the fact of what God had said. But Isaac was also his joy, and it was his laughter, and it was his, his love. And to the fool... Sin and evil is his Isaac. It is his laughter and it is his joy. Instead of fearing God, when he learns of his righteousness and when he learns of God's wrath on sin, he doesn't tremble at the thought of the point of the spear. He laughs because after all, this is all just a joke to him. This is just good fun. In fact, Proverbs 14 says he goes as far as to make fun of sin. Fools mock at sin. They mock and they make light of that which God complains about. They mock and they make light of that which lay heavy upon the shoulders of Christ as He died on the cross. We must consider this today. Sin has become a joke to so many in the world. And sometimes even to Christians. We can be guilty of this as well. We must not entertain ourselves. And we must not make light 
of that which Jesus died to redeem us from. Understandably, this is precisely why it's difficult to to get fools to depart from evil. Proverbs 14, verse 16 says, A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. Surely they are self-confident because they do not take God seriously. This is all just amusing sport. It is a joke to be mocked at. A foolish person is one who we have described here. One who trusts in themselves, will not listen to instruction, cannot be disciplined, is impulsive, and is evil. To be a fool is to be evil. But let's reinforce these qualities by reading Proverbs chapter 26. Verses 1 through 12. In here we find several observations about the fool and about their folly. It says, As snow in the summer and rain in the harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. A whip for the horse, a bride for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. He who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like the legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his volley. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. That brings us to ask the question, how do we see ourselves? We read these things in in Proverbs about the fool. When we discuss this, do we weigh it first against our own lives? Do we look to ourselves and ask, have I been living foolishly? I hope and pray that observations and warnings about foolishness will encourage us to make sure that we choose an alternate path in life especially when we consider the the final contrast that we will look at in Proverbs made between the wise and the foolish. Proverbs 3.35 says, The wise will inherit glory, but but shame will be the legacy of fools. What will we inherit? And what will be our legacy? It depends on our willingness to listen to God. Today, so many listen to their own hearts. I feel safe. I feel right. I feel like I'm following God. I feel like this is good. Proverbs tells us that's foolishness. Today, many refuse to listen to instruction, to sound teaching, like 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. They refuse sound teaching. They have tickling or itching ears. They look for someone to tickle those ears. They heap up for themselves teachers. Again, that is foolishness. Do you desire wisdom? If, you, if so, if you want wisdom, and I want you to turn to Colossians with me for a moment. 
Just seven short verses in Colossians gives us so much information about attaining wisdom today. We see three things that become necessary to be wise. In in verses 1 and 2 of Colossians chapter 2, we see that if we are going to be wise, we need to have a change of heart. It says, for I want you to know what a great conflict, that that word conflict is the idea of of anxiety, of of struggling and strife. He says, "I, I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Paul was agonizing here over the souls in the area around Colossae. And he struggled because of, particularly because of some teaching that was going on in that area. But he struggled because he desired them to grow in wisdom. To grow in wisdom and experience a change in heart. And he said you need to have hearts knitted together in love. We might ask that question, well what is love? What, what is he talking about here? Is that a feeling? Is that, is that some sort of emotion? First John tells us in chapter 4 and verse 8, love is God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. We need to have hearts knit together in God. Certainly that means we're going to have hearts knit together in compassion. And we're going to have hearts knit together in in mercy and in grace. But that also means we're going to have hearts knit together in wrath. We are going to see things. With a heart change, we are going to see things the way God sees things. And so the lost, we are going to be moved. And for our brothers and sisters, we are going to be patient. And we are going to view sin in our lives and the lives of others as something that needs to be destroyed. It needs to go away. It shouldn't be a part of of the life of a righteous, of the wise. When we start to see things as God sees, we start to move down a path towards wisdom. But verses 3 through 5 tells us that we also need to have a change in our thoughts as well. Going back a little bit into verse 2, he says to them to attain all the riches of a full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ." He tells them that he desires them to attain something, attain the riches of the full assurance of understanding both of the Father and of Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He was telling them, you know what? There was this teaching going around that if you want to be wise, you had to understand these these deep, dark mysteries. And he was saying, you don't have to go up on a mountain somewhere and meditate for years and years and and become a monk to get this, this wisdom. And you don't have to have a, a certain uh, level of, uh, of deep intellect to be able to understand these things. He said, it is hidden. You're right, it is hidden. But it's hidden right here in front of you. It's hidden in Christ. And it's hidden in His life and in His words. So don't be persuaded by fools. Don't be persuaded by, by man's wisdom. People who say to be happy, you must do this or you must do that. People who say to be fulfilled, you must do this or you must do that. People who say to be saved, 
you must do this or do that. He says, be firmly planted, be steadfast in your faith in Christ, in his wisdom. And doing that is going to lead to the third thing mentioned in this passage uh, for those seeking wisdom. And that is a change of life in verses 6 through 7. He says, as you therefore, uh, uh, excuse me, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. You see that? Paul says faith leads us to receive Christ. That is a very true statement. How? Galatians 3.27 gives us a little more insight into that. It says that as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. But these people here, specifically in Corinth, how? How? If we skip down just a few verses to chapter or to verse 11, he says, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of, sin, of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. How did you receive Christ? By putting on the circumcision of Christ. What was that? Verse 12, Buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Having received Christ, we must walk in him. We must be rooted in him. We must be built up in him. This is the fullness of wisdom to belong to Christ to reflect Him in our lives. This morning, if you have not received Christ through believing in Him in your heart, through turning from sin, through turning from the world and being buried with Him in baptism, then God's Word condemns you as the fool to punishment. And that's not my word. And that's not my thoughts. And that's not my feelings. That's the righteous Word of God. But he desires you to be wise. He desires you to follow the instruction given by him. So the question this morning again is, how will you see yourself? Will you be foolish or will you be wise? It's really the choice is yours to choose which one you will fall into and which one you will follow. And if we can help you this morning to follow him, then I want you to know that we stand ready to do so. We stand ready to assist, whether that be coming to him in obedience and in faith for the first time, or whether that be turning away from foolishness, turning away from the world, and repenting of those sins. And we would, if you desire the prayers of the saints here, uh, and for us to, to encourage and to help to admonish you, and to help you walk in that path. Whatever we can do, we encourage you to come forward right now as we stand and as we sing.